Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church of Christ is to inspire people to follow Jesus because we are convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks or connect with us online at greenvilleoaks.org. As always, we ask that you subscribe to, rate, and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with musical arts minister Christopher Green. Good morning, everybody. Colin and Holly are on a little bit of a vacation, so I'm standing in today. I've got to say thanks to my praise band this morning. Thank you for those guys. I love them dearly. And uh, normally I'm on this side of that activity, but uh, I've got this opportunity to share some things with you this morning, and, and I'm happy to do so. Are you all enjoying the story? I am too. I really enjoy uh, reading about real people who lived real lives and uh, whose life stories intersect with God in powerful ways. And sometimes they chose to be in God's story. Sometimes they chose to be apart from, away from God's story. This week we're in chapter 11. We're looking at the life of David uh, from shepherd to king. And it, it covers a lot of real estate uh, on, this, on the, uh, this, the scriptural uh, globe, right? It goes from 1 Samuel 13 all the way to 2 Samuel chapter 10. But I got to tell you, I resonate, I really resonate with this point in biblical history. And I'll tell you why in just a second. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for this day that we've been able to gather in your name, whether we're here in the room, whether we've clicked in. Uh, God, we just simply want to tell you how much we love you, how much we thank you for loving us. And God, we want to uh, submit ourselves to you so that you can continue to use us in your story. So if you would honor us today, God, with your presence in your word, as you have in song and in communion, and if you would make us better people and closer to the walk of Jesus, that's really our heart's desire that we ask in his name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, what's in a name? What is in a name? Have you ever given much thought to your name? I mean, obviously you didn't pick it yourself unless you changed it later in life, right? At some point in time, uh, either one or both of your parents gave you a name. Now, it may be generational. Some of us become juniors or seconds or thirds or fourths or whatever. Or sometimes there is a uh, special relative, maybe generations before that you were named in honor or memory of. Uh, This morning, I, I... got to tell you that names are important, um, whether you know the meaning of your name or not. And I think a lot of times it can impact our lives. Example was last week, Colin shared with us that Israel wanted a king 
God granted them a king in the person of Saul, right? And Hannah wanted a son. She was barren. Her rival, Peninnah, had bunches of kids. So she wanted one. And uh, she was barren. She couldn't have one. So she begged God for one. And God gave her Samuel. And she named him Samuel very intentionally because in the Hebrew language, it sounds like the word for God heard. She said, Hannah did, that if God gave her a son, she would dedicate him to his work all of his life. All of his life. It's in this part of God's story, the big story, that I really connect because my personal story is very similar. When my parents met and then married, my mom was told that she would never have children, that she was barren. And so mom began to beg God for a a son and she said if you give me a son God I will give him back to you well lo and behold 58 years later here I stand Christopher David Green Christopher means Christ bearer David I'm actually named after the king that we're going to be looking at today that name means beloved and green well there you go I'm just stuck with that right and you might say wow growing up as the green Christ bearer who is beloved that must have been some pressure And I got to tell you, it kind of was. I mean, like Kermit the Frog says, it ain't easy being green, right? But actually, being Christ-bearer who is beloved didn't give me so much pressure as much as it allowed me to realize that I have a story. From youth, I understood my story. My mom had shared that with me. And I was aware of the fact that I am part of a bigger story. I'm part of God's amazing story. Now, I am far, far from perfect. In fact, I resonate a lot with some of the characters that we've already read about in Scripture, right? I find myself on their side of the equation more often than I care to admit. But God has a way of using broken people, doesn't he? No matter how messed up we are or how messed up we've been, God has a way of recycling us, of using us, in powerful ways and that's one of the reasons that I resonate with this story because I have a special name and Samuel had a special name and David had a special name this morning I want to remind you that no matter what your name is God has a story that he is working out in you it's true God is working out a story in you now last week we saw King Saul And he lived into his story and did pretty well, but toward the end of his story, he let position and power and pride and selfishness disrupt God's story. You see, God told Saul to go defeat the Amalekites. Amalekites were really wicked people. And God told Saul to go destroy them. And he got it mostly right. But he did his own thing in the end. And Samuel, Hannah's son that she prayed for, had to deliver a really hard message. Let's take a look at that message real quick. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 15, beginning in verse 13. Samuel said, although you were once small, this is Samuel talking to Saul, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy these wicked people, the Amalekites. Make war on them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? 
Saul said, but I did obey. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, God has rejected you as king. Now it's ironic in that passage that Samuel said, though you were once small in your own eyes, that's a really important phrase. Because there was a time in Saul's life that he was humble. Something you may or may not know about Saul is that he was actually head and shoulders above anybody else around him. And he was a very handsome guy. And so from an outward appearance, people were drawn to him. He had this magnetism about him that drew people to him. But something happened along the way, didn't it? Something happened that got him off of God's story and onto his own, and that's because Saul chose his own way. Something we need to remember from this part of the story is that we can always choose. We always have an option of choosing or rejecting God's plan. Saul chose a different plan, God chose a different king, and his name was David. And that's who we're talking about today. I want to ask you a question. Are you small enough for God? Are you small enough for God's story? Now see, even the question sounds counterintuitive, doesn't it? Because when we live in a culture of bigness, are you big enough to drive a car? Are you big enough to haul that hay hay bale? Are you big enough to reach the top shelf? We're always striving for big, right? I mean, come on, y'all. We live in Texas. I got here as fast as I could, all right? Been here about 16 years. And everything in Texas is big. Any of my friends that come from other states and visit us, they say, man, y'all do everything big. And I said, we do? Well, yeah, I mean, it's all big. And you live here long enough, you get used to it, right? And we even take a little state pride in that. Bigger is better. But I wonder if that's always the truth in God's plan. See, God seemingly has a way of never being impressed with the bigger as being better. I wonder sometimes if we get a little too big for God's story. In David's calling, you'll see here that uh, big doesn't matter. In fact, it's just the opposite. Let's go jump over now to 1 Samuel chapter 16, beginning in verse 1. We're going to take a deep breath. It's a long reading, but we're going to go fast. Here we go, right? The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say that I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. 
Well, Samuel did what the Lord said. And when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed one stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven sons. Seven of his sons passed before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? Well, they're still the youngest, Jesse said, but he's tending sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy and a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the presence of his brothers, and from that day on the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power, and Samuel went to Ramah. Two important things I'd like for you to catch in that passage. I love, there's so much that we could flesh out of there, but we just don't have time. Number one is, the Lord does not look at things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. When we choose to live into God's story, we give up looking at outward appearances. God's plan never has to make sense. You know why? Because it's God's. And God is not impressed with the biggest or the best or the most gifted or the most eloquent to get it done. If you look through the entire span of biblical history, God has a tendency to use the weaker, the shorter, the less eloquent to do his thing. God wants people with a pure heart. Because when you have a pure heart, you're in a great spot for God's uses. The other thing I'd like us to realize is this text says that from that day, the Spirit of the Lord came on David. When God's Spirit is with you, amazing stuff happens. History is full of stories of unamazing people doing amazing things, isn't it? And how does that happen? It's not because bigger is better. It's because something bigger than themselves is at work. Too often, i got to confess to you, I rely on my own ability. Instead of making room for God's story, I just kind of manhandle it. I do things in my own way. I do things on my own terms. Rather than letting go, I try to muscle things into what I think they ought to be. Even churches at times can rely more on themselves than on God's Spirit to lead them. They allow their own histories. They allow their own tradition. They allow their own opinions. They allow their own fears, their own anxieties to determine their next steps. But you know what I've observed? Self-reliant churches get self-reliant results. Self-reliant churches have self-reliant experiences. But with God's Spirit working on us, amazing stuff 
happens. Don't we all want to be a part of something that is unexplainable? Don't we want to be a part of something that is truly amazing? That when other people encounter it, they say, this can't be something that a, a, a handful of people has created. God must be at work here. Remember, God doesn't look at the outward appearances. He looks at the heart. And when your heart is with God, the stage is set for amazing things to happen. And sometimes we all just need to stop and to get our hearts monitored, our spiritual hearts monitored. A pure heart takes effort. It's not automatic. A pure heart before God is something that is as intentional as any other aspect of our life. You have to work at having a pure heart before God. It's not, it's not an automatic thing. So this morning, I respectfully ask you, how is your spiritual heart today? If you had to rate it in terms of health, one being least healthy, ten being most healthy, where do you fall on that scale? I'd like to share with you what, as we wrap up what a healthy heart can do before God. David, the son of Jesse, the one that was anointed with oil by Samuel, was an unlikely small guy who made a big impact in the story. Those were turbulent times for Israel's history. They were frequently at war, and the biggest enemy that the Israelites had were the Philistines, and the Philistines had this guy named Goliath, right? You know the story. Nine foot nine. The devil wears Prada, and uh, Goliath wore a hundred pound armor. He was a monster, and he would come out and taunt the Israelites every day. Come on, send your guy, send your guy. Well, David steps up, and with his sling and one rock, you know, he brought down the most feared enemy in the land. Now, King Saul was impressed. He put David in charge of thousands, and whatever mission or whatever activity David set his hand to, he was successful. And he became something of a celebrity. He became so popular that the people would sing out, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. And I've got to tell you that that didn't play well toward the end of Saul's reign. He became very jealous and he looked for ways to kill David. Saul went from super fan to super adversary. But with a heart for God, David went from shepherd boy to king of Israel. Now, going from shepherd to king isn't easy. Nobody ever promised David that it would be easy, and it wasn't. When we get serious about following God's plan, when we get small in his sight and in our own sight, when we devote our hearts to God, it may get even harder. David's opposition from Saul led him to go even deeper into his relationship with God. He wrote songs about it. We still have them, the Psalms. Some of them that we even sing uh, from this stage. All these years later. And one thing that I think is amazing about David is he had the opportunity to kill Saul several times and he never did it. He left it in God's hands. He let, left justice to God. And David's humble heart led him to greatness. Look at 1 Chronicles chapter 17, beginning verse 16. 
This is what it says. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and he said, Who am I, Lord God? And what is my family that you have brought me this far? And as if this were not enough in your sight, my God, you have spoken about the future of the house of your servant. You, Lord God, have looked on me as though I were one of the most exalted of men. What more can David say to honoring your servant? For you know your servant, Lord, for the sake of your servant and, for, and according to your will, you have done this great thing and made known all these great promises. There is no one like you, Lord, and there is no God but you, as we have heard with our own ears. Oh, I love what David says in that prayer. There is no one like you, Lord, and there is no God but you. When we trust God, when we accept Jesus Christ, when we're born again, when we follow the Spirit, we live into the story. That is God's story. It's a story that God's been writing since the beginning, and it continues to this very name, to this very day. So what I remind you is this morning, no matter what your name is, are you small enough for God to use you in amazing ways? All God needs is your heart. And it may not be easy. But God's spirit will lead us to amazing things. Think of yourself smaller. Humble yourself in the presence of God. And let his spirit do amazing things today. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for speaking to us through your word. I pray, God, that uh, it is all that you want it to be inside of us. And if it's not by your spirit, God, stir it up. And make us different people. Make us more like the Lord Jesus Christ whom we follow. God, to you be glory, honor, and praise always, both in the church, in Christ Jesus our Lord, is our prayer. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. We hope this message helps you to inspire people to follow Jesus. Because you're convinced, like we are, that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Make sure to give us a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. Discover more about the Greenville Oaks Church online at greenvilleoaks.org.